You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, good friends, and welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, maybe the 10,000 Lamps Podcast. I'm Kyle Radke here with Julian Andrews. Julian. What's up, Kyle? Not much, man. Just another day in paradise. I know. I, I wake up every day and think that. That's, yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's good. That's what you want every day to wake up. Um, and the thing is, you know, without getting, uh, you know, too into, uh, you know, too deep here, you know, we are blessed. We get to do this podcast every day. Um, we get to hang out, you know, um, given everything that's gone on in the world over the last year, here we are talking about hoops. Right. Yeah. I think of, of, I think of, you know, frequently all the things that could have happened you know, to me and people I care about over the last year and all things considered, it's gone. All right. I agree. I agree. Um, well, that, that, there's our deep, um, our deep talk of the day, but let's get to, um, before our sponsorship tells us they're not sponsoring us anymore. Um, our good friends at DraftKings, they're great. Um, Julian, I like to gamble and probably yes, if, we're, if I'm, if I'm being an honest person, probably maybe a little too much. Um, I'm not going to say that too loud, but um, you're probably wondering like, okay, the NCAA basketball tournament's over, uh, like football isn't here yet. What do I gamble on? Well, there's a lot of things you can gamble on, let me tell you. Um, but go to DraftKings, create lineups for the, the Masters this weekend. Um, you, you have a small window and you can do daily lineups there. Basketball, obviously, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, baseball, the season's in full swing, so if you, if you like to – to put together lineups in those April games when teams are healthy, that's fun. Um, download the DraftKings app now and use the code TBPN during signup. Um, this week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot, free, to win a million dollars. That's code TBPN, and you can get a free shot at $1 million. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Um, so go check that out. That's, that's fun stuff. Um, Kyle, are you, uh, are you watching baseball? I'm just, just yeah. Curious. I, I mean, I am, I have a fantasy baseball team. Um, it's hard. So we, it, you've seen my, you've seen my house already, but upstairs in my office is where I normally have the TV. Yeah. Um, and once the weather got nice, I moved the TV outside to my deck. Um, it's covered for the listeners it's it's covered yep it's it's covered it's um just sitting on the raid right now yeah so normally like my um 
my watching TV time, which I don't definitely don't do when I'm working. But normally, um, if I watch day baseball, I'll just have it on in the background. So I haven't been able to do that as much lately. Um, yeah, I mean, but that's the long winded question. Um, I normally do watch baseball. I just haven't been watching enough of it. Yeah. Nice. I'm just curious. I watch zero baseball. I really can't get myself to care about baseball when I can't go to the games. Yeah. I, I really like going to twins games. I think it's really fun. Um, I love being at baseball games. I love live baseball, but same. I can't do it. I can't sit down for that long and watch baseball on TV. I also just don't know enough. I don't, really know it's, that many it, of the teams i don't know the stats it's hard and like we talk about baseball cards all the time and like for me the cool thing and the not cool thing about baseball cards is you could buy a baseball card pack right now and you would have no idea who the guys are but then you could go back to that pack three years later and be like oh this guy's really really yeah, good totally. so that's like you don't really know what you're chasing and that's how i feel normally like when i do a fantasy baseball draft every year I have to sit there for like an hour and a half before the draft and like figure out who these guys are. I'm like, who? I don't even know who this left fielder that's supposed to hit 40 home runs, which 12 year old Kyle knew all these guys. Like yeah. I was a yeah, huge Scott Rowland fan, like totally. Yeah. It's totally random. Um, yeah. And everyday lineup. It's hard. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's not fun, um, but it is fun because it's gambling and um, there you I'm go. In, yeah. Uh, okay. So the Timberwolves, um, are 13 and 39 overall. Um, also, they have they have games at Target Center. And if you uh, want to hear more about that, go to our last podcast with Jeff Munichie, Vice President of Fan Engagement. Um, he talks about how the Timberwolves are getting fans back to the arena in a safe way. Um, it was nice to talking to me. Yeah, it was. Means a super good dude. Um, so yeah, go go check out that. And the th- the fu- I mean the funny thing is 1500 fans for the Timberwolves. Um you know, that's actually their average. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm on yeah, that's a good night at Target. I'm just kidding. Um but but look at the numbers. I don't know. Um am I kidding? Uh Timberwolves are 13 and 39 overall. They most recently fell uh you're listening to this probably on a Friday. They they played on Wednesday night against the Pacers. They fell 141 to 137. Julian the Timberwolves allowed 141 points to a team that consists of uh, these were the top eight players in minutes played that night. Uh, Doug McDermott, who, uh, Edmund Sumner. Yep. Go yep. your guy Goga. I love Goga. We know I love Goga. Yep. Justin Holiday, Karis Levert, who's who's good. Uh, T.J. McConnell. Aaron Holiday and Jakar Sampson. So I think that Karis Levert is very good. I and I don't think that's a hot take. Hmm. Really happy to see him back. Do you think the Rockets want him? <laughs> <sighs> probably. They could probably use somebody instead of having nobody uh, on that yeah, team. Like, but like yeah. instead of instead of trading Victor or James Harden for Karis Levert, they traded James Harden for Karis Levert into. Victor Oladipo and now into Kelly Olenek. Yeah. So that's, that's not what you want to see if you're the Rockets, but no, uh, Karis is good. The rest of them, you know, I don't want to say that these aren't good players. Cause I actually think Justin holiday is a pretty good player, but it just, I think the point that you're getting at is this is not, this should not be an offensive juggernaut. Uh-oh. No, no. And um, we'll get into Anthony Edwards in a little bit here. I'm a huge Edwards guy and, 
the, the team's learning and whatever. I'm not going to base it all in one game. Right. But hey, Jason, we got him right where we want him. This, we, right, you know, 13 and 39 going into the season. This was the goal for the last 17 years. This has been the goal. Yeah. Um, we got him. We, yeah. It's all led up to this. Um, Jace Frederick pointed out, he said, uh, for all the scoring, um, Anthony Edwards does, he gives it back pretty easily on the defensive end. So, um, and he's a guy that, and we've had Jason here before too. He's a guy that watches every day. So, um, you know, I, I value his opinion, but again, he's a rookie. We won't look too far into it. I just thought I'm like, what I was look. I, I didn't get the chance to watch the game live. And I was just looking at the box score and I was like, wait, what? Like the pacer, like 140. Was this a, did this go into five overtimes? That's maybe a little unfair to Edwards. I, I get, you know, I understand, you know, okay. I don't want to critique Jace because he's bigger than me and he'll, he'll kill me. Um, bigger, bigger, uh, Literally and figuratively, a lot of clout, Jace does. Yeah, a lot of clout. So, you know, I'm really going up against a dangerous man when I say this, but I think that's a little unfair just because, you know, I feel like defense is more of a team thing and you you can envision a you can envision a situation where the rest of the team picks up some slack. Maybe the rest of the team that doesn't score like Edwards does, does a little bit of defending and helps him, mm-hmm. you know? Um but I, I don't know. I don't know if he's like personally giving back 20 points a game. <laughs> he's just you gifting. Know? Let's like, try <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But that's maybe a little unfair. But I, I totally understand what he's saying there. Like Edwards is not a good defender. Yeah. Nobody on the Wolves is. Um, okay. Headlines. We'll go around the league. Uh, and then we have some car talk in our restaurant of the week. Uh, headlines. Kevin Durant is back. Played limited minutes on Wednesday night. Scored 17 points, seven rebounds, five assists, five for five from the field. Yeah, didn't miss a shot. <laughs> yep. James Harden is uh, out, and it sounds like he'll be evaluated in about a week and a half. Uh, but it doesn't matter because they have Kevin Durant, and they have Kyrie Irving, and they have every all-star from 2011 on their team. Um, the Nets are 36 and 16, first in the East. Julian, are you ready to say that the Nets are the odds-on favorite to win the NBA championship? Yeah. Or was that or was that two weeks ago? Were you ready? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I was ready at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't know. Any idea that having these three guys together would not work out for some reason is looking really stupid. The um, whole like there's only one that, ball argument. Yeah. I yeah. And I might have been there. I don't know what I say sometimes. Yeah, but these are all I mean Kyrie's efficiency, whatever. I don't you know, like I don't know. I'm not like a huge stats guy, but it's not like, like, yeah, there's one ball true, but these guys seem to have put aside their egos, first of all. And, you know, also one of them's kind of hurt all the time. So that really hasn't come up yet, but yeah, it's just like, who do you guard? Who do you double? Who do you, you know? And I think these guys have really bought into sharing the ball and, you know, letting whoever the defense has decided to, like not guard as much take what? over. Yeah. Now you have and, Aldridge. And, and what are you going to do? Yeah. It's yeah. You, you have Aldridge and like, let's not forget like this like three years ago when he signed with the Spurs or four years ago, or whatever it was like, I mean, he's older now, but like, he's still, uh, I think the other night he had like 19, 10 and like, yeah, he's good. Know, three blocks. Like he's still really good. Blake Griffin, I think is, is probably, um, you know, like he's due to injuries and everything. He's, you know, a little more washed than anybody else is. Well, the but fourth best, I mean, the fourth most important player on that team is probably Joe Harris, right? Like, yeah, 
just because he can knock down. He's a great shooter. He's shooting so well this year, and he isn't, you know, he can get a look on any given possession where there's nobody within 10 feet of him. Um, so I think just with those four guys, who you have at the fifth spot is kind of a little bit irrelevant. Although I really like Nick Claxton too. I think he's a nice young player and I don't know. They look really hard to stop. I, I understand how you look at Philly's roster and you say, okay, maybe Philly could give them some trouble just from a matchup perspective and a talent perspective. They, they don't match up from a talent perspective, but there's definitely it's not hard to create, like, to paint a picture where the Sixers give the Nets some trouble. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not willing to totally write off the the Sixers, but at the same time, I think it's stupid to say that the Nets are not the favorites. I mean, yeah. who else would it, other than other than Philly? Who would it be that takes them down? You know, like maybe at the beginning of the season we were thinking the Celtics, but they looked horrible. I was gonna say, like, part of me is still like this is just like the stubborn fan in me where I'm like, well, the Celtics could still, and it's like, no, so bad. Yeah. I mean, like Milwaukee is true. You like Giannis. Anytime you have Giannis, you know? Yeah. But, but I mean the Eastern, I mean the Eastern conference, we joke about like the lack of competition. I mean, you have Brooklyn, you have Philly, and then you have Milwaukee and you can make an argument for all three of those teams winning a title. So just, I mean, I, I think that's worth saying. But then you go and you have Charlotte at four, Atlanta yeah. at five. I mean, Miami is still Miami at six, and you can make the case that Boston could still make a run at seven. But then you go New York, Indiana, Chicago, Toronto. Um, it's not very good teams. No, and it's like I mean, half of those teams I don't even think are trying to win. I mean, the thing, yeah, no, 100%, first of all. And also, I don't know, with the Bucks and the Sixers, I guess I should have kind of put the Bucks in that conversation. I think the Sixers are probably more dangerous than the Bucks to the Nets, but you do look at the Bucks and you're like, all right, with three really solid defenders and two defenders that are really good in True Holiday and Giannis, uh, maybe you can kind of give the Nets a run for their money. But with those guys... With KD and Harden and Kyrie, like the best shot creators in the league playing together. I just I know there's this age old defense wins championships thing, but I I just don't think you're gonna be able to beat them unless you can put up a lot of points. And I don't trust the Bucks offense. Yeah, and, and like the, the Nets seem like I get the the defensive thing too, but they're all guys that have played in big games and they know yeah. when like they know what each moment means. And I guess like, yes, you have to be capable of, it's like when you apply for a job, right? You can be like, well, I think it'd be a great fit on your team and I have a great work ethic. And then ultimately it's like, well, you still have to be able to do the job. So just being in those situations and like knowing that you need to play defense, isn't the same thing as playing good defense. Yeah. But I mean, let's not forget. I mean, Durant, obviously the Achilles injury and he was younger. Um, but like three years ago, in the we watched him in the playoffs, and he was like the best defender in the playoffs. Incredible defender, yeah. Um, you know, and like Harden is, at you know, below average probably. Yeah, but but we've seen we've seen like, sp- exactly he can guard power forwards in the paint when they try to post him up. Um, you know, Kyrie's Kyrie. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I think you're right. I think you're 100 spot on. Like, there, you don't need to play lockdown defense when you you're going to put up 130 points any given night. And the team that's playing them needs to put up more points than they might otherwise while also playing really good defense. It's just so much pressure. Yeah. I just don't know where you, there's never point. a time that you have off if you're playing them. Yeah. Uh, Julian, I want to apologize for something I said to you once. Um, 
and Blazer fans, I'm, I like I this got brought up to me the other day. I said that Darius Garland had a higher ceiling than CJ McCollum. Mm. Um, you did say that. I just want to take that back. <laughs> you can, you I, can I, take that back. That's I didn't guy. mean it. <laughs> Forgive me, everybody. You're forgiven. Honestly, it, it was already forgotten. Okay, good. But now it's forgiven as well. It's good. it's not true, but um, we'll let it it's, go. Yeah, I sometimes I get it, it's. I just get you know, like the flashy new toy is like better than it's probably those 17 Darius Garland PSA tens. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just want to, I just want to apologize. Uh, that's, Noted. that's, that's Noted. not, in our, that's not in our headlines. I just, uh, I go to bed every night and that just like burns a hole in my soul. Ooh. Uh, so I just wanted to get that out there. Um, okay. In the rookie ladder rankings at NBA.com, Timberwolves fans were pissed off and rightfully so last week. Tyrese Halliburton was number one, and Anthony Davis or uh, Anthony Edwards is number two. Uh, this week, Anthony Edwards is back on top. Not that it matters, but uh, I think everybody's talking about if you know who will win Rookie of the Year with Lamelo out. Uh, Edwards' season stat: seventeen and a half points per game. Um, Tyrese Halliburton: thirteen points, five assists per game. I mean, I like I just don't understand how Edwards like if unless Edwards gets hurt which I don't want to happen obviously um or like Halliburton starts to just average because we haven't seen Halliburton really do what we've seen Edwards do but like, like Edwards is putting up these like 30 40 point games Halliburton is just like very steady and the Kings I get it they have nine more wins but unless they make like the play-in game at 10 I just don't get the argument for Halliburton making like winning rookie of the year. No, I don't either. And like, I guess I don't maybe watch a lot of Kings games games, but I just like, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, what's his, you know, I mean, I guess maybe if you're just an efficiency nerd, I mean, but Halliburton's not like a, I don't know. He's not like a crazy efficient guy. I think he's probably more efficient than Edwards, but he's also scoring less. He is Fox. Yeah, I mean he's he's shooting forty eight percent. I mean, I guess his number, like his efficiency numbers, are good. You're right, Julian. Forty eight percent from the field, forty two percent from the three point line. He's averaging thirteen points, five assists, uh, three rebounds per game. Um, yeah, his per thirty six numbers are sixteen points, six assists, and then you go to Anthony Edwards, our dear good friend, and he is do 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 do. When are we getting Edwards on the pod? Uh, soon. He's average, or he's shooting thirty nine percent from the field and thirty one percent from the three point line uh, per thirty six minutes. Twenty one points, five rebounds. There's, I guess, maybe there is an argument. I don't. I guess for rookie but, of the year, because it, in my opinion, it's not. When, when has rookie of the year ever been an efficiency award? <laughs> That's my yeah, question. Like, and like, it's it shouldn't like the MVP should be like you're on a winning team and you help them win. The rookie of the no. year should be like the fun, like this guy was just like the best rookie. And it's a freaking Kings. Dude, because if, like, you're, if you're going to say that it's, it should be based on wins, then you should just give it to the mellow ball. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think the argument, I think that the argument that LaMelo ball should be the rookie of the year is stronger than the argument for Halliburton. Yeah, I would, I'm with like, you. Even, even with LaMelo being hurt. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Julian. Yeah. Um, you like jerseys. I do. Uh, 
so over the last like two weeks, people, if you've, if you've been on Twitter, yeah, uh, yeah. you've seen the WNBA kind of like not them officially, I guess, but you've seen these leaks out from, um, what are similar to like the NBA's city edition jerseys. The WNBA oh. has rebel edition jerseys. Um, the links announced theirs today and oh my goodness gracious, it might be the best Jersey that we've seen. Um, it's the first, first half jerseys. And if you, yeah, you it's cool. If you haven't seen them, go to, I think WNBA has a press release on their website. Um, you dig them? I do. I actually like the other new ones more. Wow. So they they released the these ones, which I think were league-wide. But then I think, I don't know if every team got all new jerseys, but the Lynx have the, the whites are back. And I yeah. really like the white jerseys. And then the other, uh, the Explorer edition, I think, or something, the blue jerseys. I really like the blue ones. They have this like very light, like leopard print or lynx print, I suppose, on the side, which I think is sick. Um, and the team did a really nice job with those videos. The video for this one was awesome uh, with Ariel Powers. I thought they did a really nice, nice work there. I really like, I mean, the thing I wonder about this one is, does it resonate outside of the Twin Cities to people who might not be familiar with First Ave? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it really matters because it's, I mean, the Lynx play in Minneapolis, so and they play next door to first half. So I'm really happy, especially after the Prince jerseys that the Timberwolves did, that the Lynx kind of did a music-themed, first half-themed jersey. Um, I think they're really cool. So I don't want to... It's more that I really like the white ones than that I don't like these because I think they're really sweet and I would like to have one. Yeah, I agree. I think they're very nice. Anything video related on the Lynx or Timberwolves side, um, shout out to our dear good friend, Joe Cronenberg, who might not have had anything to do with the video, but we don't care because we love Joe. Yep. And um, we know he listens to the podcast. He does. Which yeah, is, that's which is not true of maybe the other people who edit the videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I, I, you know, to the other video editors, we'll see your name once we yeah. you know start start hearing that you two of them. To the two of them said hi to me when I was at the Timberwolves game last week. Again, I won't mention their names because they haven't said they listen to the podcast. So when you do, um, you know, no handouts here. No free shout outs. Nope. You got to either when pay I us. See that, when I see that Venmo for $3 hit, then hit me. Then we're in business. Uh, the NBA um, via NBA TV on April 11th, they are releasing a documentary on the 1996 NBA draft. Um, if you don't know how special the 1996 NBA draft is Julian listen to this so these are the top players um in the class with value above replacement players Kobe Bryant's number one Ray Allen Allen Iverson Steve Nash Marcus Canby Stefan Marbury Peja Stoyakovich Sharif Adurahim Antoine Walker Kerry Kittles Jermaine O'Neal uh Zendrunas Augustus who I can't say his name um and Derek Fisher. Dang. Those are some throwbacks. I haven't thought about some of those guys in a while. Canby, I, I loved when he was on the Blazers. Like Ogowskis, you, I, you I, have I Kobe liked. Bryant, who's like a, a, you could argue top five, top 10 talent in the entire league. Yeah. You have Ray Allen, who could argue is the top, the, the best shooter in league history. Uh, Allen Iverson and Steve Nash. Um, like Iverson. Uh, well, I mean, Nash two time MVP winner and, Iverson, just one of the most fun players to ever watch. Um, can be great defensively. Stefan Marbury, I mean, what yeah. could have been is probably more of the story than what he was. Yeah. Um, Peja Stojakovic, like just a knockdown three-point shooter. That's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited to watch that documentary. Yeah, that, I'll totally that, watch that. 
that draft class in general. I mean, that's, I think we, like you and I, especially, um, and obviously other people too, like when you really dive into a draft class, it's actually pretty fun because you get to know these guys. And like, we really did in that draft class with, with when Luca was the top guy and yep. you kind of get invested in these guys. Um, you know, and like, there's some classes where you're like, Oh, this class can be so good. And the next class you, you, you decide it's not going to be, I guess. Um, but that 1996, like the pre-internet age of prospects and nobody really knows who's good and who's not good. Yeah. And, uh, high school players can still go pro and like just out of those names that we, we talked about like Kobe and obviously, uh, Jermaine O'Neal. Um, no, it's, that's fun. Wild cool. class. And, and you hope that like, you know, you look at the class from Luca's uh, year and you look at some of those names in that class and you go, maybe that could rival, you know, we'll see. Um, or maybe there'll never be a draft class like that. We'll see. Um, Julian restaurant of the week. Um, I mean, this is my duty this week, but have you, have you gotten any takeout lately? I have not. I've been cooking a lot. Yeah. On your Instagram. You're just... And then I'm, I've been cooking and I don't know. Yeah. I seen on your Instagram, you're just a cooking machine. Chefing it up. Good for you. We have, uh, we actually just I also got have a- cut myself. I cut, my finger and my thumb. And then I took the back of my finger off uh, with a grater or like Jeez. a vegetable peeler. Ugh. So my hands are kind of beat up. I don't know what it is. I think I'm like, more tired. So I've been slipping more, but yeah, I've, I've like cut myself. That's not good. Bad, You're going like, to cut off the finger. The last... Go to bed. No. I know I'm, I'm, uh, I changed, this is getting in the weeds. I changed my grip on how I am holding my knife when I'm mm. prepping. And it's really good and it's helping me a lot, but it's also, I don't always, I think, know where the knife is as well as I used to. So it's a learning curve, but I think I'm there. I, I, would think, s- th- I think three cuts in, I'm, I'm now trained. I would say knife control might be more important than like your knife efficiency. Well, no, it is. It is like more control, but my hands are just closer to it. But you so cut yourself. To- well, but now we've learned. This is the this is the process. <laughs> and you don't you, you know, the old saying: you don't learn until you chop a finger. Um, How many fingers do you see? Five. See, they're all there. So we're my grandpa, uh, he only had like three fingers. So um, a lot of his like, knife skills were great. <laughs> a lot of tractor accidents, and like at some point, <laughs> you're just like, why do you keep putting your fingers wherever In you're the putting tractor? them? Yeah. Like, stop doing that. Um, but I think for farmers, it's like a sign of pride, like. You're you're a real farmer if you have less just, than like, ten fingers. Him off in the woodshed, yeah. Just to, you know, have something. You wanted to talk about him at the local, boys. yeah, the local bar. <laughs> Say, like, hey guys, what are you? Um, okay, uh, my restaurant's not really a restaurant. Um, Minnesota Ice Cream in Northeast Minneapolis. Um, the weather's getting warm, and ice cream is great. My favorite thing there, and it's I don't I don't really know the name of it, but it has fruity pebbles on it. Um, on the ice cream, don't make that face. It's really good. That's disgusting, but no, I'm sure this Minnesota ice cream is great. It's great, yeah. You like they put like a little umbrella in there for you. Um, but yeah, anything the, with like chocolate and peanut butter—that's usually my go-to. They, they, I hundred percent, they do. They have like all these different, um, you know, combinations. And I'm in. A big thing for them is like it's like the Instagram spot. Mm. Um, not so much anymore because of COVID, and they they used to have like a little like picture wall, um, where you know I think people drive. Was it digital because uh, it's Instagram? Was it just like digital picture frames? No, it's so they have like a background where you take a picture oh, and then you gotcha. post I it on the Instagram. walls were like Polaroids. And I was like, no, no. 
Um, so again, go check them out, especially with the weather getting warm. Um, and all my spots are in Northeast, but that's pretty much the only place I, I go. So, um, okay. Kyle's card corner. Um, I got a lot of questions last week on what to do with grading. Uh, cause obviously PSA is shut down until July, except for their super express order. I have some takes on this. I mean, it's almost like PSA is betting that other people will use other grading services for a bit because otherwise in my mind, the same thing that has already happened is just going to happen again. So in my mind, either two things are happening. It's PSA is betting that they will, that you'll use another grader and you will not be satisfied and you'll go back to PSA because their values probably won't dip much in the next three months or this is the smart thing PSA should do, but they haven't done it over the last year. So I'm not super optimistic. It's that they're hiring a whole lot of people during the next three months and they're figuring out what to do. And then once July hits, they are like just ready to go because people are sending in all their stuff. That's what I was going to say. It seems like in a perfect time to scale up if you're PSA, but it depends. I mean, it depends obviously if you think that this demand is just a backlog or if you think that this is, you know, like do you, or do you think it's going to continue to rise? Well, because if you think there's a backlog and then once the backlog is cleared, you're back to where you were like a year and a half ago. Maybe it's not worth it to expand your operation, but, but. I guess like my thing is, you're creating a backlog because you're telling people for April, May, and June for three months, especially when the releases of Prism and releases of yeah. Donruss and you're getting like tops baseball and we're going to figure out what rookies are good. People are putting these cards to the side, like select football just came out. People are putting these cards to the side to send into grading or they're just selling raw and the people buying them are people that are going to get them graded. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but like, you, here's the thing though, like, if you're Prism, I'm just trying to put myself in Prism's, Prism's shoes. Or not Prism, Prism, PSA. sorry. PSA. Um, if you're PSA, you are currently kind of making the most money that you can make off your current business model, right? Unless you hire more people because you have a constant supply. You have a constant demand and you have a de demand backlog for months. So, you know... What do you think the point is, and this is kind of cynical, but what do you think the point is where people will not go to PSA anymore? Um, like when they, they expand their operation and there's a backlog of six months just going forward. Okay. So people like will actually leave PSA. So I'm holding up this Justin Herbert card to you on the screen. I just have it in my desk. Um, it's like a per, it's like a $300 card raw. If I just sold that right now, yeah. 300 bucks. Okay, or I could go wait for PSA in October, in July, and I probably won't get that card back for six months at the earliest, and by that time, the football season's over. So for me, I have, ever, like, I don't know if the value will be higher if I go through another grader, yeah. but if I'm if Justin Herbert has, has a great season and I'm trying to sell this year, I'd probably go with another grading service, and I'm honestly, like, weighing that. So... In my mind, that's where, like, if you're PSA, you have to come back in July and have a plan of, like, hey, when we say this is our nine-month grading service, we mean nine months. When we say this is our 25-day grading service, I mean, it's ridiculous, Julian. I sent in a Mike Trout rookie card in the first week of March, and it's the Super Express, so it's going to end up costing me, like, $300. 
it's still in grading and it hasn't yeah. updated in the next last three weeks. So yeah. it's like there's a $300 service that I'm waiting on and it's going to for sure take two or three months. And in my mind, it's like, well, it's worth it because yeah, like PSA is the best and they know that, but I get, and, and well, I get yeah, what you're, at some point if, if you're just like, but, but no, I'm totally with you. I think at some point if you're just not like, if you're just not living up to what you're promising your customers, that's a bad thing. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think, think that that will wear because you know, that it's not, they're not, you know, there are other grading services out there and all it takes for PSA to not be considered the best grading service is for the card collecting community to collectively decide that they are no longer the best grading service, right? Because mm -hmm. it, all of the value that is given to a card because it's graded by PSA is given to them by people who eventually buy those cards. The only problem is like Beckett is just as backed up. They're, they're probably worse yeah. in there. So, I mean, like there's some, there's some new ones like SGA and they've been around for a while, but um, I think there's one called like HGA, yeah. HGS. I don't know what it's called. Um, but um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's going to be opportunities. One thing I'll say is um, I think people were really mad because they ended up uh, raising the prices. And we talked about that. They raised the prices like a month before and then they did this and people are saying, well, why did you raise the prices when you knew you're going to do this? Well, I mean, I think the, the thought was that they, they hoped that they raising the prices down, yeah. would slow things down and it didn't. And they were just like, well, shit, we have to, we got to pump the brakes. Yeah. Um, well, we'll okay. See. Yeah. My card advice of the week. It's, it's a Homer pick. Um, the Byron Buxton rookie card PSA 10. There's only 28 in population. Um, mostly cause like Buxton has never really lived up to what we thought he'd be. Um, he always gets hurt. He's really fun to watch, but you can get his PSA 10 for 30 bucks. Um, that's what the last one went for. Obviously there's not a lot of them out there. Um, so if you can find one, get it. I mean, he's only 27 years old. Um, and I mean, grants it's super small sample size through five games. Uh, he leads the league in dingers, three home runs. He's hitting 360. Um, so yeah, I mean, like for me, that's, like for thirty dollars, that seems like a no-brainer. When you're talking about yeah. a guy who, like, he finished sixteenth in MVP voting last year, and he only played in thirty-nine games. So, um, huh? Yeah. So it's go buy one. that card. But there's only twenty-seven of them, so don't go all buy the card at once. Yeah, right. Because if you start bidding against each other, then it's not, not going to be worth it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm. Maybe I have twenty-five of those cards, and that's what I'm doing. Mm, classic Kyle's classic big Kyle. pumper. Yep. Pump and dump, baby. Um, okay. Well, uh, that's all we have for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back on, um, we'll probably record on Sunday night and have a podcast for you on Monday. Julian, don't cut off your finger this weekend. I won't. I Good. won't. I'm going to eat only salads, but <laughs> only with pre-prepared ingredients. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. 